This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. I am your host, Art Wiederman. Uh, it's a pleasure for uh, me to be uh, joining you today and sharing some information. I am a dental division director at the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. Uh, our CPA firm represents about 800 dentists. And uh, today's topic is goes to the core uh, of what this uh, what this podcast series is about. It's called The Art of Dental Finance and Management. And today we're going to be talking about a financial plan. Now I've done uh, I've done podcast on the 10 biggest financial mistakes dentists make, and I've talked about retirement planning. But today I have two really great experts uh, from our firm, uh, Ryan Weigel and uh, Zach uh, Schitzler, uh, Schnitzler, I'm sorry. And um, Zach and Ryan are going to go ahead and talk about financial planning. They're part of our financial planning group. We're going to talk about why do you need a financial plan? Uh, what is a financial plan and what are the biggest mistakes we see dentists making? Because they're working with dentists and other professionals all over the place. And uh, they have a really neat uh, retirement planning module. And we're going to talk about insurance. So we're going to get to that in a couple of minutes. Um, I do have some information for you um, that I want to share with you first about our partners. And then about something that happened yesterday that came out from Treasury. Uh, we're recording today, which is uh, uh, which is uh, November the nineteenth, which is Thursday. So uh, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, a, a couple of rulings and procedures that came out from IRS that is unfortunately, folks, not going to make anybody happy. But we'll talk about that in a second. Um, if you, um, I would really like for you guys to take a look at our partner, Decisions in Dentistry. Uh, www.decisionsanddentistry.com. Great, great, great clinical content. Uh, continuing education courses. They have been a wonderful partner of ours uh, in, in working with us on the podcast and, and sharing great information for dentists on clinical dentistry. Uh, also, our Academy of Dental CPAs, which is uh, www.adcpa.org. 24 CPA firms across the U.S. that represent over 10,000 dentists. We are uh, at Ide Bailey, one of the members of that uh, of that group. Um, and I've got some great information for you, too. Um, we are putting together here in Southern California a one-year-long series uh, on the business side of dentistry. Uh, six local dental societies in Southern California. Uh, and I have no problem mentioning them by name, uh, the Harbor Dental Society, the Orange County Dental Society, both the Los Angeles and the West Los Angeles Dental Societies, the San Gabriel Valley Dental Society, and the San Fernando Valley Dental Society. Uh, I am putting together through iBailey a wonderful, wonderful year-long uh, series, uh, which is going to begin put on your calendar because I'm inviting all of my podcast guests because the great thing about doing stuff virtually is Anybody can join. You don't have to get on an airplane or book a hotel room. Uh, and these are free. These are not going to cost anything. And the information is going to be fantastic. So the first one is going to be uh, on December the 9th. 
which will be from 6 to 8 p.m. And it's going to be on year-end tax planning and the research and development income tax credit for dentists. So if you would like to register, the page is either up or will be up very shortly. You can register for the webinar. And if you register, uh, they'll send you the link. You go to www.idbailey.com forward slash dental series, D-E-N-T-A-L-S-E-R-I-E-S. And in fact, as part of this dental series, uh, one of the series, which is going to be every month uh, in uh, in 2021, we're going to start with December and then it'll start in January and February and every month after that. One of the series is going to be these two gentlemen that you're going to hear today is going to talk about in much more depth than we can do on a podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about financial planning and we're actually going to do a case study or two on the webinar with the software, which is really, really cool. So www.idbailey.com forward slash dental series. And also, if you're interested in the, in the R&D tax credit, uh, www.idbailey.com forward slash dental RD, put in your information and our team will give you a call. So I want to talk before I get to, to Zach and Ryan, uh, I want to talk about what came out yesterday. And what came out yesterday, uh, we knew it was coming. And in fact, um, our previous podcast with Mel Schwarz, uh, Mel emailed me uh, two days after we recorded. And he said, Art, do we need to re-record because this is coming down the pike? So I've been talking to you guys about uh, the PPP loans and whether the expenses that you pay are deductible. Remember, your PPP loan is not taxable when you have it forgiven. So back in uh, April, I think it was actually April, late April, early May, Treasury came out with notice 2020-32 that said the expenses are not deductible, but they didn't give us any details. So I have taken the position on this podcast that if you have a forgivable loan that uh, and it's not forgiven by the end of the year and you're a cash basis taxpayer. Uh, I've been a CPA for uh, you know a long time, 36 years. And the, the law says, if you don't have a forgivable, forgivable event, then those expenses are deductible until yesterday. Revenue 2020-27 uh, came up with two situations. Number one, it basically said that if you apply for forgiveness in 2020, but no decision has been made on your forgiveness, uh, but you meet all the rules, you check all the boxes that you're going to get full forgiveness, or you wait till 2021 and you meet all the rules. They basically say, and these are the words in the ruling, that if you have a, quote, reasonable expectation of reimbursement, and I will read from the ruling, quote, if it's reasonably expected to occur rather than being unforeseeable, such a deduction is inappropriate. Bottom line is, folks, if you meet all the rules and you're going to get forgiveness, then your expenses are not deductible for 2020. So if you've got a $100,000 PPP loan, you better add $100,000 to your taxable income for 2020 which is going to bring a lot of my doctors to not only where they were in 2019, but even higher. Very, very important doctors that you go to your CPA between the next six weeks, between now and the end of the year, and figure out where you're at. Uh, there is a revenue procedure 2020-51, which is a safe harbor, which basically says that if you reasonably expect forgiveness and you're submitting for forgiveness, uh, but all or partial forgiveness is denied. In other words, you don't get forgiveness. Or if for some reason you choose not to file for forgiveness, I don't know any dentist in America that is not going to file for forgiveness. But if you just say, I don't meet the rules, I fired everybody, I didn't bring them back, then no problem. Uh, then you can deduct the expenses in the year that you are denied forgiveness. It doesn't tell me if you have no intention of submitting for forgiveness at all in 2020, can I deduct the expenses? It doesn't address that. I did have a long conversation with Megan Mortimer yesterday from the ADA. I will tell you that the ADA, along with the American Restaurant Association, uh, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, uh, the AMA, 
uh, organizations that represent dogs and giraffes and puppies and everything, they're all going to Congress and they're all basically pushing real hard. And and folks, without getting into details, at the moment, it's all political. Um, we may not see anything about this until January, February. So you may be looking at extending your tax returns uh, to see what the government's going to do. We think they're going to make a law that says these expenses are deductible. It would hurt small businesses if they didn't, but we'll see what happens. All right. Well, with that joyful news, folks, let's get to our program today. Uh, my good friends, um, Ryan Weigel and uh, Zachary uh, Schnitzler from I Bailey are going to join us here in a second. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Ryan is a financial advisor. Uh, he is located in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Uh, he works uh, with his clients on financial planning, including cash flow analysis, education planning, insurance and risk analysis, retirement planning and asset allocation. And uh, that's Ryan. And Zach um, is in Fargo, North Dakota. Go North Dakota State Bison, by the way. I told him that earlier. Uh, Zach's an insurance specialist involved in insurance planning, employee retention solutions, planning for purchase and sales of businesses, succession and estate planning. So, uh, Zach and Ryan, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Hey, thanks, Art. Uh, pleasure to be here. Hey, nice, nice to talk to you guys. Appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah. So, uh, you guys are avid golfers, I hear. Um, so, I won't talk about the fact that I went out and played yesterday here in Orange County, because uh, right, right now you, you're just playing like ice golf or indoor golf, or how's that work? I'll let Zach go on that. He's a, he's a better golfer than I am. Yeah, it kind of depends on the day, but up here in Fargo, we we definitely started our indoor simulator league, <laughs> and it's not even Thanksgiving time yet, so right. it's too bad. <laughs> we'll have to get. We'll have to get you out here to play some play some golf anyway. So, hey, guys, why don't you, uh, again, we're talking today about financial planning. Folks, I went through all the certified financial planner courses, uh, you know, a long time ago. Uh, and it takes, you know, a couple of years to do that. So in, in, a, in an hour podcast, we're not going to be able to go through every single detail. What my objective today is, is to make a call to action. If you haven't done a financial plan, if you haven't figured out where you're going, um, we want you to take action after what we talk about today is, you know, the, the, there's seven areas of financial planning. There's cash flow management, there's taxes, there's insurance, investments, um, retirement planning, estate planning, and college planning. We're going to touch on them today. Uh, but, but we want you to take action. Um, basically sit down and figure out where you're at so that, you know, if you don't have a roadmap and you don't know where you're going, it's kind of hard to get there. So with that said, um, let's start. Ryan, tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, so I'm a uh, CPA, much like you are, and I'm also a CFP, as you alluded to. So my journey started with Ive Bailey, I think, 12 years ago. I started on the tax side. I did tax work, tax compliance work, and that led into a lot of planning, uh, just as you alluded to earlier. Uh, the dentist better be and the doctors you're working with meeting with their CPAs here between now and the end of the year because there's a lot of year-end planning that needs to get done. Uh, that brought on a lot of um, things that I enjoyed doing, which was financial planning. Instead of just tax compliance planning, it was now financial planning, which also alluded to investments and insurance and so on. So my career path changed about halfway through um, my tenure with I Bailey, and it moved over into our financial services division. So my main role is uh, financial planning for clients. And again, like I, I just said, it it involves a lot of pieces, investments, taxes, insurance, and so on and so forth. Okay. And uh, Zach, other than your um, uh, going to PGA school or whatever it is, uh, what, are, what are you doing? What's your story? Yeah. So as, as you mentioned, I'm an insurance specialist specifically in the financial planning realm. So we're talking uh, life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care type work. I've been in it my whole career, um, almost 10 years. Everybody grows up wanting to be an insurance person. I know that, but no, I had some great mentors right away uh, to jump into the business. And I, before I'd Bailey, I was primarily a consultant with financial advisors. Uh, as the insurance side is a very unique animal in itself, and it 
requires specialized attention. So happy to be at Ide Bailey, and it's a great place to help our clients on a consultative type approach versus a, a sales type approach. Yeah, and we, we we don't sell. I've never I've never sold. I mean, I I have a I'm a registered investment advisor, uh, but uh, guys, if, if I recommend a stock or a mutual fund, you should probably short it. That's kind of the way I feel about the whole thing. So, hey Zach, uh, we we have to do the required reading of the disclosure. So why don't you get that out of the way, and then we'll get into our topic. We do. It'll be it'll be as fast as possible. I promise. Here we go. Financial advisors offer investment advisor services through Ide Bailey Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services, member of FINRA and SIPC. Ide Bailey Financial Services LLC is the holding company for Ide Bailey Advisors LLC, and Ide Bailey agents fully owned and operated under Ide Bailey LLP. Insurance products are offered or issued under Ide Bailey Agency LLC. Ide Bailey Advisors LLC employees can also be licensed as insurance agents, producers of Ide Bailey Agency LLC. Ide Bailey Financial Services and its subsidiaries are not affiliated with United Planners. Not all products and services are available in all states. The views expressed are those of the author of the date noted, are subject to change based on market and other various conditions, are not a solicitation to purchase or sell any security, and may not reflect the views of United Planners Financial Services. Keep in mind that current and historical facts may not be indicative of future results. Third-party material is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment tax or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Okay, promise me you're not going to do that again, okay? Promise, yep. We're, we're done with that. So, what, so so which stock should I buy? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Two more takes, Zach. Right, let's, <laughs> let's just blow up everything we just did. Yeah. All right, so there you go. Okay, so let's start out with the, the, the basic question. Why why does a dentist need a financial plan? Well, I think you alluded to this earlier, our uh, roadmap, right? So I was trying to tell clients is, is we sit down with you and we try and gather your information, uh, you've got many roads to go and we're, we're trying to determine which road makes the most sense. And just because it makes sense today doesn't mean in two years it's going to still mean the same road. Uh, but what it does is it allows us to have a form of a roadmap to help answer in question, uh, a lot of questions. And you know those questions are, again, tax, investment, insurance, business succession, estate. So the whole goal is, hey, I've got this plan in place to answer questions, and it's it's not a, a product-specific thing. It is a service-specific. Right. So, so what we want to do is, is, you know, again, my experience in this, guys, is, is that, uh, you know, the people that do this right, they're, they're, they're looking at what the goals and the objectives are. And at some point down the road, everybody's got to get compensated for what they do. And at some point down the road, a product usually is involved, whether it's an investment product or an insurance product or something. But but that's not where we start, right? That's not even close no, to where no, we start. No, no. Uh, you, you start with the financial plan first and foremost, and that's going to give you, you know, the numbers don't lie in a plan is what usually what I tell my clients. Because if it says you need life insurance, you probably need life insurance. I, I don't care who you who you talk to about that. There's probably a need of life insurance, right? But but the plan gives you the numbers and the numbers don't lie. And, and you kind of work through that scenario. Uh, you know, the, the one thing I'll, I'll just say real quick, Art, is there, there's really four main steps that I use. Uh, I think most individuals would use this. But the first step to a plan is we sit down and you listen. right? You, you, okay, what are the goals and circumstances? What, what is your profession? Okay, you're a dentist. Okay, well, what's the goal? How long do you want to work? Right? Then we kind of gather a lot of information from you. We might analyze that data and put together some creative plan. But as soon as tomorrow hits, my creative plan is done because your checking account just changed or a PPP loan that you just talked about is now no longer a uh, deductible expense. And that just changed the financial plan because now I have to pay more taxes, right? So uh, there's this constant circle of what happens. We're, we're constantly looking at everything. And, and that's why I always tell clients, Hey, we're not doing a financial plan because a financial plan is a date stamp. We're done. We're doing financial planning. Financial planning is this is this thorough or thorough thing that keeps going and it's constantly evolving, right? 
So, so when, when you meet with your clients, you, you do the initial plan, and I want you to get a little more into exactly what you're doing. How often should a dentist meet with his or her financial planner after we do the initial plan? So the initial plan is going to be, you're probably meeting six times from start to finish over a series of, uh, it could probably be anywhere from, you probably get them done as quick as four to six weeks or four to six months, depending on how busy you are, how busy the, uh, the planner is. Um, but then going forward, there is no rhyme or reason. It's an as-needed piece. Now, I would say at a minimum twice a year. Right? I, I want to look in the spring. How are my investments doing? How is my plan? What are my goals that have changed? And I better be looking at the end of the year too. You know, What are my tax, tax implications? What do I need to do? Is there some retirement plan uh, changes I need to make? Have I updated my wills? Have I looked at my, um, my insurance lately? So at a minimum twice a year, but it could be 12 times. Right. I mean, it's it depending on each client. There's no specific rhyme or reason to it. What you're now, now, you guys said you said, Ryan, there's four steps. How many of you uh, you talked about the listening part? That's the first step, right? Yeah. Yep. Where do we go from there? Yeah. So then we're, we're in the gather step. And the gather is where you we really sit down and we're trying to do not only the hard skills, the hard numbers, but the soft skills. So what what is your actual net worth or balance sheet look like? Right, we're going to gather information. You know, what insurance do you have? What investments do you have? But then it's a lot of the soft stuff. What is your goal? You know, is your spouse working? Does she have the ability to work? Um, you know, what What do you want to do? Do you want to climb Mount Everest in five years? Because that might change the impact. Or do you want to sell your practice for a ton of money at age forty? Or do you just want to be a dentist and not care? Right. So you got to gather those soft skills as well. Then we got to sit down. The third step is we need to analyze the data. We got to figure out what do you have. Right. Uh, and then our job from there is to create this. The fourth step would be to create this plan and uh, create this fluid plan that keeps evolving. And, and then so right, right after we get done with the fourth, the fourth step, which is create, we go right back into listening again. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, we, we see, you know, I want to talk about the mistakes because you know, we want to make people make sure that they don't um, that they don't get mistakes they don't make mistakes so what what are the biggest mistakes you see working with your dental clients on financial planning yeah well the first one is that and then take this with a grain of salt uh, anyone who's listening but they don't have a plan right? That, right that's the biggest one and it's not that they don't want to art it's it's typically typically because they're busy running their practice right there's only so much time in a day they might have kids they might have you know, employees and they got to practice and everything's going on underneath the sun and so this thing just gets kicked to the side which is a reasonable thing to think about but at the same time it's it's so important that you have to do it so that's that's absolutely first and foremost the biggest issue i see is that we don't have one we don't they bought some insurance because they were told it was a good idea but they don't know if it's a good idea right yeah, they didn't have a plan. yeah it, exactly so let's talk about insurance for a minute because this is we're just going to go all over the place here with this because and we'll hit everything. Um, you know, I have some opinions about insurance, but um, we have life insurance and we have disability insurance so, and, and long term care. Really, uh, those are the those are the main food groups. Let's let's talk about life insurance. So, uh, when you guys look at a client, how do you determine? Let, let's just briefly get into how much do they need. And what type of insurance do you recommend? Well, let, yeah, let's kind of start at step one. I mean, the what we are finding is in this industry, many folks are severely underinsured. And, you know, that, that might even be with hypothetically, you know, $1 million of death benefit, for example. It sure seems like a big number. You know, we use the word million in it. But... <laughs> But when you when you calculate, let's say, income replacement for a 35-year-old dentist, you know, how many years of income does that, I'll call it, you know, or that person and that machine have for the rest of their career if something were to happen? And I'm, I'm not saying a, like a 35-year-old needs needs to ensure 30 years of income by any means. But all of a sudden, you know, using that example of, say, a million dollars doesn't go very far. Nope. So that, that's, that's 
piece number one is it, it does seem like the majority of people, dentists included, are many times uh, vastly underinsured and don't understand, you know, how many years of income they should maybe be thinking about replacing if the worst case scenario happened. And a lot of this, a lot of this, uh, Zach, really depends on, you know, if I have a, a husband and wife and one of them is the dentist and the other one is not working, I'm going to need a lot more than if both of the people who are husband and wife uh, are both earning two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, um, I, I have an interesting thing that I've, I've, I want to get your take on this is in my mind, and I'm overly simplifying it. I, I like for a dentist, I need enough life insurance because remember, isn't life like we get life insurance is two, two purposes. Number one is income replacement. And number two is estate needs, which at the moment, unless you got an estate of about $24 million, husband and wife, if you do your planning right, is, is not an issue, right? Right. Okay. So, so basically, um, I, I'm looking for enough money to pay off the mortgage put a fund away for the kids for college, and then to have enough of a pot of money to keep potentially a non-working survivor spouse uh, able to live reasonably. Does, right. that, does that seem reasonable to you? Oh, absolutely. And and the big thing is, Art, I'll, I'll ask you a question. I mean, if, if somebody, dentist or anybody else, hypothetically, say, passes away and their income was 300000 could a non-working spouse go find a new job that pays $300,000 a year? Highly unlikely. Very highly unlikely. So that's... Unless they are also a dentist or another type of a correct. profession. Yeah. Hey, there's, there's something I want to hit on there really quick, guys. One of the things I see is, let's just go back to your same example. We've got a, we've got a, a dentist practitioner and a non-working spouse. I always see this. The dentist practitioner has insurance. The spouse has none. And I ask, well, why? Well, because they don't make any money. But then I'll ask them this. Well, what does the non-working spouse do? Well, they take the kids to school and they make sure the house is taken care of. And they do all these things so that I can maintain my business and I can be the breadwinner, right? There's actually a need over there because if the non-working spouse perishes, if something happens to them, you either got to hire a nanny or you can't be as productive in your business, right? So you don't have right. to go and get oodles of money and millions of dollars. That's not the point, but, but there is actually a need for both people. And, and you see that quite a bit, actually. And, and obviously, buying life insurance is cheaper when you're younger than if you're older. Right. Very, very much so. It's, so. it's crazy how it follows almost the perfect exponential curve. <laughs> yeah. So, so the bottom line is we need enough money to cover a surviving spouse and the family um, if they, uh, if God forbid, the dentist passes away. Um, and then... Um, uh, again, because we could spend hours on this, um, are you term insurance? You like permanent insurance? Maybe a little comment uh, on on what people should be looking at, just in in a, a high overview. Yeah. So, it, first and foremost, you know the the younger dentist term insurance is super simple, very inexpensive. You can get high limits for low premium. I definitely recommend that all have at least some of that. Uh, permanent insurance, you know, we're, it's a podcast of its own, I think. Because oh, yeah. It, it, offers, it offers lots of different advantages, like potential for tax-free income, but it is absolutely not for everybody, and that is a case-by-case -case basis. So uh, permanent insurance will have some cash value that comes with it, albeit a much higher premium. Uh, one thing, Art, I do want to quickly mention is, you know, we're, we're talking about having enough. What is enough, right? How many, what's the multiplier of income? Uh, some, some are, there are some agents out there that I know that are literally trying to get as much as possible from the insurance company. Myself, I, I am in the ballpark of close to seven times income plus debt. Yep. That's about right. I, I was going to say, you know, seven to 10, but yeah. So, so for example, doctors, uh, you know, if you're making $300,000 a year, 
that's $2.1 million. Is that enough to pay off your mortgage, uh, put the kids through college, and have a pot of money available for your surviving spouse so that he or she does not have to work and can be focusing on the family? Don't know. Got to run the numbers, right, guys? There's no question. It's it's yeah. a case-by-case basis. Uh, the good news is, I, I hate to say that there's good news during the COVID-19 pandemic because nothing seems like good news. Right. The, a lot of, lot of doctors and dentists are scared almost of applying for these limits because it comes with a very, very challenging underwriting experience. Might have to get blood. Might have, you're a, uh, might have to order medical records. Well, due to the pandemic, companies have increased what's called accelerated underwriting, where people can get up to $5 million of life insurance immediately with with the online health portal so it doesn't you know somebody you don't know doesn't necessarily have to come to your house and put a needle in your arm to see if you can get these high limits and i talk about disability insurance what i tell people is as much as you can qualify for do you have a comment on disability yeah no question i agree with you there and it's usually um usually close to 60 percent of income Yep. is about what these insurance companies will offer. However, in most cases, disability in- insurance would pay out tax-free, so we don't necessarily need uh, a super high, you know, close to 100% by any means. What do you, what do you think about long-term care insurance? Well, for the for maybe the the dentist on the the second half of their career, it's uh it's a major issue uh, in our world today. The cost of long-term care, whether it be nursing home, assisted living, etc. You know, now we're talking after work life, right? We're planning for after it. It it's something that needs to be looked into. I mean, when when I'm saying that it's a problem, it's costing just to get care upwards of ten thousand dollars or more per month, and yep. it's an asset. Going back to why why we're doing this today, financial planning, we're planning for all aspects of life, short-term and long-term, it's it's all about asset protection. Yep. Okay, we're, we're doing, we're not, you know, we're not necessarily, you know, don't need to talk to clients about, well, you want to go to a nursing home or do you want to do this? It's about protecting your assets, a six-year stay at you know, over one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in two twenty twenty money. You know, not even counting inflation, could be out. You know, seven hundred thousand plus, and that's and, an issue. And how about this, guys? Not only for the doctor, but what about the doctor whose mother or father or both have not done a good job of saving, and they need to go into a nursing home, and you, the doctor, are the only um, child who has assets, who's going to be paying for that? Do you see that happen? Correct. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no doubt. Uh, one other thing to mention, you know, you're, you're a CPA, Ryan, you are as well. Long-term care, buying long-term care insurance can come with some fairly unique tax advantages as well. Sure. Well, we're not going to get into that today. Nope. Nope. It'll be a twelve-hour podcast. Like, like so. I said, yeah, we got that's time for a, another podcast. These topics could all have their own at some point. <laughs> Absolutely. So, talking about student loan debt, and that is a big deal in 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 the United States. Um, the average student loan debt is, and again, this is all over the country, uh, is somewhere between two hundred fifty and three hundred thousand dollars. Uh, is what it costs to go to the average United States dental school. In California, uh, we have, uh, I, I, I tell this story occasionally um, at my lectures, and I probably told it on the on the podcast, is I had two doctors come up to me. I was speaking at the University of Southern California Dental School, oh gosh, about five years ago. And, and these two young men come up to me and say, uh, Mr. Wiederman, thank you so much for your lecture. Uh, we both did four years of dental school here at, at, at USC plus a general practice residency. Um, we are $550,000 each in debt. What do you suggest? 
And my answer to them was, guys, if you go walk around the corner to Hoover Street, there's a 7-Eleven. They sell lottery tickets. Other than that, I get nothing for you. How do you approach student loan debt? Well, that's one way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, that works really well. I mean, the odds are not very good, but uh, it is a way to do it. So earlier when I discussed uh, the gather meeting, which is our, you know, our second meeting with clients and their soft skills, this is some of the stuff that, that comes up. It's, hey, you're going to have to live like a college student for a few more years. I know you're making a bunch of money and I know it's great. And you want to you want to move on from that. You don't have the luxury to do that, unfortunately, uh, because if, if we don't take care of the student loan debt soon, if we don't have a game plan in place or a plan in place for it, this stuff just keeps going. And, and the downfall is it's not like it's cheap interest you know the average loan i think it's still like seven and a quarter so you think about oh, i can go get a house or a car right now in today's environment two three three and a half percent no you're still at seven or seven and a quarter it is the average and some could be higher than that so the only way to take care of student debt student loan debt is to pay for it okay that's first and foremost but the only way to pay for it is to have some detailed plan and the easiest thing i found for for um you know new grads for sure is you have to just live like you're still in school. We just have to take care of it. And, and you know, we use the software. You know, we branded I Bailey Wealth One. Um, the the meat potatoes behind it is it's eMoney is the software we use. Um, we can show what that means inside a plan. And so once you can start to pictorially show that, it kind of helps them understand. Yeah, I got to get this taken care of. So if I don't get this taken care of, then I can't get I, I can't get my retirement plan started. And if I don't get my retirement plan started, then I got to make a decision down the road of whether I need to buy long-term care insurance or, or if I self-funded because I saved enough money along the way, right? So it, it just keeps rolling. Yeah. So th- this is why it's a th- this financial planning thing is not a one-time deal. It's ongoing because you're going to start your life out in your 20s. Doctors, most dental students, uh, most folks graduate dental school somewhere between the ages of 25 and 30, give or take. Uh, if you start later, you do it later. And at that point, you might be single living with um, uh, three guys or three ladies in an apartment somewhere and uh, starting your life off as a dentist. And then the next thing you know, you get married. The next thing you know, you have kids. The next thing you know, you, you, you buy a house and you buy a practice. I have, <laughs> I, I sell dental practices, guys. I have two 30-year-old dentists about four years ago I sold a practice to. They had $800,000 of student loan debt. They bought a practice from me for about $1,250,000. So they were $2 million in debt at the age of 30, and they didn't even own a home in Southern California. Now, that's scary. So again, in different parts of the country, it's going to be different. A home in Iowa is going to be different than a home in Southern California. And the same thing with a practice. Let, let's get into, let's talk a little bit about estate planning, because, I mean, my experience, guys, is that you're looking at 60% of the people that I deal with do not have wills or trusts. I don't know what the, maybe your numbers are similar, but just, just some basics about why it's important and, and what people should be thinking about. Yeah, uh, well, the numbers that you mentioned, 60% is spot on. I mean, 60% of people don't. And, and it goes back to the thing I said earlier is that you get busy in your practice. It's just another one of those things that you're going to get to someday. The simplest thing to start with, just get a will. Go go to a respected attorney. Uh, you know, Ask your older peers if you're in a, a multi-doc practice, who they use. Go get some wills established. That's the first and foremost. But then it's as you're a more seasoned practitioner and you're getting more towards a later time in life, it's, it's you got to start doing estate planning. Estate planning, you know, you mentioned earlier, Art, unless you have $22 million, you don't have an estate tax issue. But it doesn't mean that you can't do estate planning. And estate planning is simply um, sitting down and trying to understand how do I want to divide everything up upon my demise, right? And and how do I want it to escape probate? And how do I want it to go efficiently? And, and, And certain pieces like that. So depends on the life cycle you're in, first and foremost. But a will has to be done. It, you just got to get it done. And then probably the next thing is once we get a little bit further on, it's what is my estate plan, regardless of my asset size? Zach, anything you'd add to that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, well, I think a lot of people do think about estate planning as it's, it's you know, a tax mitigation thing, and it's not at all. Um, there is an estate tax. And uh, 
about a year a year or so ago we had a um, campaign called estate planning for the other 99 percent right <laughs> but it, it needs to happen there are things that that uh, people need to do and it, it comes down to if it's not on paper it's not a plan um, I, I I work I, I Per, uh, like you said, Art, in my bio on succession planning and whatnot and and estate planning, I think we did a, we did a study and it said about 70% of people said they had an estate plan or a transition plan. And then what, what, what was funny is the next piece was 50% said it was in their mind. Okay, (laughs) they have a plan here, but ultimately it's not a plan if it's not on paper. Yeah, that's like that's like my 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 330 (laughs) yard drive similar to Dustin Johnson. That's in my mind. I just can't get it to my driver. That's my problem. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no it's it's a great analogy for sure. And it, it. as the only thing I can mirror, as Ryan said, is business owners, um, and in this case, dentists that, who own their practice, they're very good, obviously, at what they do. However, you know, they, they need help with things that like this that they aren't thinking about every day. So I'm going to take a break here, guys, and just, just share with everybody, you know, like I say, what I'm hoping this is going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is to is to be a call to arms to get some planning done. If you're working with an Academy of Dental CPAs uh, member, if you're a client of them, you're in very good hands. They can handle that for you. Uh, if you're not, if you're not working with someone, if you haven't done any planning at all, uh, I have these guys give their contact information out. It'll also be in the show notes. But what I want you to do is whether it's with with your CPA, your financial planner, if you've got a great financial planner that you're working with, that's great. Let them do the plan. Call them up. Call them up as soon as you hear this podcast and say, hey, Joe, hey, Susie, whatever, whatever her name is. You know, I, I've been thinking about it and I really want to get a plan on paper. And, and can you do that for me? And if you need some help, these guys can help you. So, guys, uh, give out your contact information if somebody wants to give you a call or email you. My my direct number, once again, my name is Zachary Schnitzler. Direct number is 701-239-8567. As if, if you remember, uh, Art, uh, talking about my last name, it's a doozy. So I, th- I, I think I we'll... I uh, the first time, man. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm no, sorry. no, you're, you are all good. I, I'm just saying, check check the show notes for my email. It is zschnitzler at idbailey.com. It's a tough one to smell or to spell. It's uh, I'd say if it were a batting average, it'd be somewhere around each hero's batting average in the 300 <laughs> of people Which who get it bad. right. That guy's going to the hall. Of fame. <laughs> yeah, mine. Uh, you can contact my office at 605-225-8783. Um, my email is rweigel, W-E-I-G-E-L, at idbailey.com. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Guys, again, folks, I, I don't care who you do your financial planning with. Uh, if you've got somebody good, like I say, go to them. Call them. This is what I want you to do. My podcast is about a call to action to all of you to make your lives better and make your family's lives better. It's really important. If you don't have somebody you're working with or somebody you trust, you know, these guys will definitely can help you there at the top of the class. Hey, Art, so, I just, one, one thing real quick. Uh, if there's two things you take from this, if you don't have life insurance, I don't care who you go, just go get some life insurance, number one. Number two, go get a will taken care of. And then loop back, right? Because if you die and you don't have those things, good luck. So yep. let's, let's take care of those. And then if you need to go do the financial plan, I mean, I would suggest doing the financial plan first and foremost, but hey, uh, if you want to call to action, those are two things that can really help people quickly. All right. Well, let, let's, let, I want to jump into two or three more things and that we'll have time for retirement plans. I mean, we've talked about SEPs and simple IRAs and 
um, profit sharing plans, defined benefit plans. I mean, we, we don't have time to get into all of that here, but I, I want to go over, uh, this is interesting. We were talking about this before we went on, uh, on live here is how much money do you need to save uh, by the age of 65 to save $1 million? So guys, you, you, you kind of jotted that out. So if you start at different ages, walk through starting at 25 and then 35, how much do you need to save on an annual basis, say starting at 25? Uh, so if you're, so again, get to the illusion of a million dollars, right? This is assuming a 10% rate of return. If you're 25 years 10, old. 10%? Yeah, ten percent rate of return. So if if you if you think of historical equities, ten percent. If you want to go into sixty forties, be much less than that. But but this is a chart that we've used. Uh, a twenty five year old, two thousand dollars a year. That's it. Two thousand bucks a year, forty years. A thirty five year old is six thousand dollars a year, three hundred percent of the original balance. A forty five year old, you got to jump up to sixteen thousand dollars a year. 55 year old, you need $60,000 a year. And then lastly, obviously, for 65, you need a million bucks in one year. And w- would it be right if someone wanted to be more conservative and say, I'm only going to oh. earn 5%, those numbers are doubled, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, just so you're aware, I wouldn't go out recommending that, hey, you should have a financial plan assuming 10% because yeah. good luck, right? Especially later on in life. Now, and when we do we talk about hurdle rates, when we do financial plans for people, what is my hurdle rate that I need to get at prior to retirement? What's my hurdle rate in the future? A lot of times we're using six to seven pre-retirement, and four to five post-retirement. So these numbers, I double this for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, most people who are 25 years old don't get the opportunity to start saving money. When you're doctors, you're 25, you, you might be in your sophomore or junior year of dental school and, and you're on the student poverty plan, you know? So, um, uh, again, the sooner you can get into, the sooner you get into your own practice, the sooner you have the ability. And, and, and obviously for small business owners, including dentist guys, uh, a qualified retirement plan is, is absolutely the best way to go. Isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get a, typically I'm going to get a tax deduction up front. I'm going to get tax deferred growth. Uh, obviously, I have to pick up the tax later on, but well, and, and again, remember, folks, that uh, you know, twenty to forty percent of the doctors who retire, they don't retire because they've saved enough money and they're ready to retire. They retire because they have a physical ailment. They have uh, back, neck, shoulders. That's why ergonomics is so important in dentistry to make sure exercise and stretching and yoga and, and all these things. I, I talk to dentists all the time about this. But I have doctors getting to, you know, 55, 60, 65, and I, we probably get five to 10 calls a year from our clients. You know, Art, I just, I'm starting to feel something in my hands. I'm starting to feel something in my neck. I'm afraid I'm going to, I'm going to make a mistake. I need to retire, not because they want to, but because they have to. And if you don't do this planning, it's just so, so important to, to, to do this. Let's just talk on a 35,000 foot level. I mean, um, Today, the stock market is, uh, all right, let's see. So we have a new uh, vaccine. Now the, the Dow goes up 1,000 points. Uh, the president tweets something. The Dow goes down 600 points. Uh, the commissioner of uh, internal revenue says this. It goes, I mean, it, 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 there's no rhyme or reason lately for, for what's going on. So from a, from a high level, what? are you telling doctors as, as far as their investment philosophy? What, what's a plan? How do you look at this? Now, the first, the first philosophy is you have to have a philosophy, right? So that okay. can be, I mean, that could be anything. And, and there's a whole bunch of different philosophies out there. Some are active, some are passive, some are factor, some are, you know, it can be whatever you want, but you better have a philosophy, better stick to it because just as you alluded to, the markets go up, down, sideways. Um, but, but that's probably the first thing. The next area that I always see is they don't have what I like to consider broad diversification. They don't have any diversification simply because everything is owned within my practice, which somewhat makes sense. I've got a practice that's worth money. I've got a building that's worth money. I make my money from my practice. And this, is, this isn't this is just dentists. This is any small business owner or practitioner out there. So we, you, you got to try to start thinking about how do we shift money elsewhere out of that to alleviate that risk and increase my diversification? And, and diversification, I mean, ever since I've been uh, uh, younger, um, 
that's what you hear is you hear it's, you know, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, you diversify and you don't watch and, and, and flip out if the stock market uh, drops. And, and that's another thing that, that, that kills me. Everybody goes, oh, the market was down a thousand points. No, 30 stocks were down a thousand points. <laughs> Not what are there? 10,000 different types of mutual funds and stocks you can buy. And you've got the New York Stock Exchange. You've got the NASDAQ. You've got the American Stock Exchange. You've got, I don't know how many different exchanges there are. So so that the, what, what they talk about on the news is, is the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which are large cap stocks, the 30 biggest stocks. That's not the market. So what do you tell your, your, your doctors as far as, you know, I mean, we, we get into... You know, we got into 2008 and we got into, I mean, talk about March, <laughs> the pandemic hit. What happened to the markets? And what, yeah, well, what were you telling your clients? Well, the first thing we were doing is we were calling them, scheduling a meeting with them and looking at their financial plan. If let's just hypothetically say someone has a million dollars all invested in the market and, and it went down 37% or 40%. So they have 600,000 now in their account. And they say, what the heck is going on here? My next question is, when do we need this money? If you're a 45-year-old doc and uh, you don't plan to retire until you're 55 or 60, you still got a long-term time horizon, right? And even right, if I'm right. going to retire at 55 or 60, I still hope the hell you're going to live a little bit further than that. So that means I still have an even further longer time horizon. So it gets back to this plan and, and what is my goal? Well, my goal is to invest to grow. Well, then do I really care what the short-term happens? If, if the long term is that my projection is the market's going to be higher in 10 years, if I care what happens in the next month, I mean, I care, but I don't want that to blur my vision of the long term, because if I don't think it's going to be higher in 10 years, why do I have any money in it right now? So, I mean, it, it, it gets back to just having the conversation. It also gets back to, you know, a plan. I'm a big believer in a form of a budget. A lot of docs that we talk to get, and, and most people get lifestyle creep. The more money I make, the more I spend, right? So yep, you don't have yep. to have a detailed budget. I don't really care if you're spending all your money on, on whatever it is, but just how much do you spend, right? Everyone spends money on different stuff. How much do I spend? Do I have some cash on hand to be able to alleviate any issues that might come up, aka uh, March and April, where my practice might've been shut down for a little bit of time? And if that's the case, then I don't know if I'm as worried about my retirement accounts again, right? So. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's what I tell my clients. Uh, knock on wood, so far so good. Well, a couple, couple rules of thumb that I've used on this podcast and my lectures and my entire life. 65, 25, 10 rule, folks. You live on 65% of what you make. You're going to pay about 25% of your income in taxes. And what do you do with the other 10%? We save it. I always talk about that. Unfortunately, I get some of my clients who live on the 90, 25 minus 15 rule. We talked about this yesterday, guys. They spend 90% of what they make, they scrimp, and they go into debt for paying their taxes, and they're always behind, and the IRS is not a bank you want to use. And then the other minus 15% is credit card debt. I mean, talk about credit card debt and, and the work that you guys do. Well, yeah, you know, obviously you can't out-earn bad spending habits, right? If you make $100,000, you're spending one ten. good luck, right? You're never going to get out of there. What we typically do with credit card debt is we sit down and, and we might look at refis. So do I have access elsewhere uh, to refi? Do I have a house that I could that I could refi? Now, I don't want to take a loan that I could pay off in three years and now extrapolate it out to 15 years. All that does is create more of an issue for, for most people. But do I have access to anything that can burden the amount of interest and make it lower? Um, that's typically where we're looking. Otherwise, we're getting pretty detailed with them on budgeting. Because that, it all comes back to the budgeting part. As long as long as I can get all the sports networks on my cable deal, and I'll pay for that. As long as you let me have that, I'll let you cut back everything else. Well, I don't know. Hulu keeps going up. <laughs> okay, well, there you, I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, I want to get to I want to get to a couple more things, guys. Uh, let's talk about saving for college. Um, again, I got. Uh, I've got two boys that are um, uh, 26 and 31. I am so proud of both of them. Forrest and Nathan, I talk about them on the podcast, uh, you know, and um, I personally saved the money myself. I didn't set up these specialized 529 plans or anything. Uh, they didn't have them back when I was getting started 30, you know, 30 years ago. 
Um, uh, but I saved them. And uh, one went to art college in San Francisco, and that's not cheap. And uh, that was Nathan. And Forrest went to uh, Chapman University. He went to San Jose State the first year. I was thrilled to death. I was like $12,000 a year out the door, including housing and everything. And then he transferred to Chapman University, which is one of the best universities in the world. Uh, and then I just started crying. It was really sad. Um, and and uh, but but talk about talk about how do you recommend doctors save for college? Do you, do you, are you looking at five twenty nine plans? Are you looking at municipal bonds? Are you looking at just uh, winging it? You're probably not looking at winging it. But what do you talk? What, what should doctors be looking at as far as saving for college? Yeah, so yeah. there's there's two main pieces I'm looking at a five to nine plan and an UPMA account. Or it doesn't have to be an UPMA uniform transfer to minor fact. It could just be a, a general savings account. And the, re- the reason I use those two accounts is the five to nine account is going to grow tax deferred and it's going to come out tax free to the extent that I have qualified expenses. And the IRS has been pretty good lately and they've they've expanded those qualified expenses. Um, the downfall is if I don't let's say my kid doesn't go to school. Let's say let's say I you start saving this thing from when they're a year old, or you, you're very fortunate and you put a big chunk away when they when they're born, right? You have very good practice. You throw a bunch in. And it grows for 18 years, and now you got a hundred thousand dollars in there, and the kid doesn't go to school. Well, now I got to take that out, not only subject to taxation, but a 10 percent penalty. I maybe could have put it in just a other account for them. Uh, I could have put it in an UPMA account or some other form of account that is not going to have a very high tax issue. Because there's there's some kitty tax issues and we don't want to get into that, but but no. I can get there's some lower limits that I can get some money income tax free away, right? And so it's a combination of those two accounts. That's really all I look at for uh, clients. You know, you can do ESAs, you can do some of these other ones, but uh, five to nine a plan, a five to nine account. Excuse me, especially early on. Later on, if they're already sixteen years old, well, you're not going to get a whole lot of growth when you're sixteen. Your kid's going to school at eighteen no matter what you're investing in, um, it's too risky to put it in the stock market when they're 16. And then all of a sudden your hundred thousand goes to 50 and that's when you need to use it. Not worth it. Right. right. So it, it kind of depends on the time frame of the kids. Uh, but those are the two accounts that I typically and, always recommend. And let's just clarify. UTMA stands for uniform transfers to minors act account, which is an account, ladies and gentlemen, that allows you as the parent, I think it's what up to age 25 now. Is it 25? I think it's still eighteen. Or, 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 or it's dependent upon the uh, dependent upon the uh, state. The yeah, state I'm sure I'd have to check so on that. It allows you, as the parent, to put money into an account in your child's name, but you can maintain control of it. And uh, so, and then the five twenty nine plan is a you know every, virtually every state has one in California where I'm at. It's called Scholarshare. Uh, the money is managed by TIAA um, CREF, which manages the teachers' retirement. But every state's got one of them, and you put the money in. In most states, it's not tax deductible. And some of them, for state taxes, you get a write-off. Federally, it's not tax deductible. And the money grows tax-free forever, as long as when you pull the money out, you use it for its intended purposes, which is to send the kids to college. Well, guys, this 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 time flies by, unfortunately, and we're getting towards the end. So the last thing I want to ask you is there's several things that, that we've talked about what what do you see in your very successful dentists as far as their financial planning and their financial plans? Well, first off, they've, they've got a plan. That's, that's first and foremost, right? They've got a plan. Uh, the second thing is probably what I alluded to just a little bit ago about the markets. They think long-term. They don't think short-term. The, the planning that we do or anybody, any successful financial planner, doesn't have to be us, it can be anyone. If they do a good enough job, they're thinking long-term. They're, they're trying to have you focused uh, on the future, right? The other piece is they they know their numbers. Now, I always tell uh, practitioners this. I don't know. I don't need to know how to do a root canal, but I need to know why you're re- recommending a root canal to me, right? So I just need to trust you that you're telling me the right thing. I need to understand why we're recommending it and why we're doing it. I need to know a little bit about it, but I don't need to know how to do the actual procedure. That's why I've got you. That's why I hired you. But they ask the questions, they know the plan, they know their numbers. And probably the last thing um, is they use a group of professionals. They're, they're using an attorney to help them. They're using a CPA. They're using a form of an advisor. Uh, you, you name it. They're helping. They're using people that help them. 
So those are probably the things uh, I would say are probably the most successful practitioners do. Zach, anything you would add to that? Yeah, and specifically on that last bullet point, I, I call it the round table. Okay. And successful professionals are going to have an expert in each field. And I also think it's important that all of these experts are also working together. Right. Okay? It's, it's, right. not, it's not just individual to the specific dentist. It's they are on your round table and they are working together for your um, financial future. So, doctors, I want you to use this analogy. I've been teaching for 36 years about the fact that your patients need to trust you and you need to care about them. Well, let's think about the same analogy of you working with a financial planner or a CPA or an estate attorney or an architect or someone who's going to paint your house. I mean, maybe it's maybe that's not a good analogy, but the point is, is that, you know, uh, we all have a good, you know, uh, meter that we can monitor people with. Again, if you're working with somebody who you know that you trust with your money, you work way too hard to just not look at your investment statements and not meet with somebody. So you've got to trust the person that you work with. So think about all the things, doctors, that you do in your practice to elicit trust from your patients and then transfer that the professional that you're going to work with, who's going to monitor, uh, make and monitor your financial plan, help you get to the finish line. And and that's what you really, really need to be doing. And again, this is a call to action. Uh, You know, these, these guys, these guys are good. I've seen their financial planning program. It's, It's really good. There's lots of really good financial planners out there. We want to give you information on the things that you need to be talking about uh, the neat, the things you need to be, need to be thinking about. So, uh, we've come to just about the end of our time, guys. So one more time, give out your contact information, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. A lot of really, really good tips. Uh, we got to pretty much all the food groups today, I think. Uh, so uh, Ryan, how do they get a hold yeah. of you? Yeah, Ryan Weigel, uh, 605-225-8783, or my email is rweigel, W-E-I-G-E-L, at idbailey.com. Okay, and Zach? Yep, Zach Schnitzler, insurance specialist, 701-239-8567. Just for the heck of it, I'll I'll spell out the email. It's Z-S-C-H-N-I-T-Z-L-E-R at idbailey.com. Well, Zach, if it makes you feel any better, the state of New York spelled my name wrong. They spelled it W E I instead of I-E. So, you know, I don't I don't I don't bug anybody about their names. But guys, hey, listen, thanks for taking the time, giving this really, really good information. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please take action. Go get your planning done. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Again, I, I don't care who you do it with. If you got a good person you're working with, if you got an ADCPA firm you're working with, uh, you know, if, if you do great, if you got them and you trust them, work with them. If you don't, uh, you know, give these guys a call and they can they can answer your questions. You guys will do a complimentary, you know, call up front to talk about the doctor's needs and stuff like that, right? Absolutely. Correct. Sounds good. Well, and again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the our podcast. We're, we're now over 100 episodes. I think this is number 102, and uh, it is an honor and a privilege uh, to present this information to you. Uh, I do want to again remind you to, uh, you know, register for our webinar series, www.idbailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com forward slash dental series. And again, we're starting December 9th with um, tax planning and research and development credit. We're going to have uh, we're going to have several of the best dental management consultants in the company in the country coming on. I've got I've got uh, Jennifer Chevalier from Fortune Management. Uh, Gary Takis, who you don't have to you know, tell anybody who Gary is. Uh, I've got Kira Dent. I've got um, Rachel Wall, uh, who's one of the best dental hygiene consultants in the country. Uh, we've got several of our folks from Ide Bailey talking about these guys are going to be back. Uh, we're going to be talking about retirement plans, student loan debt. So it's going to be a, a killer series. I've been wanting to do this forever. And the fact that these dental societies have given me the opportunity to do that, uh, it's an honor and a privilege. Um, so make sure you register for that. 
Uh, go to our partner, Decisions and Dentistry magazine, www.decisionsanddentistry.com. They have a great website with great content. Their magazine is fantastic. They're up to date on all the COVID-19 protocols and consulting on what you should be doing in your dental offices on virtually every clinical topic. Uh, their, their advisory board is a who's who of dentistry, not only in this country, but in the United States. What I just say, not only in this country, but in the United States, I'll be all right. Not only in this country, but in the whole world, actually. Um, and if you're not working with a dental specific CPA, you know, I Bailey's here. We're in my office is in Southern California. My number is 657 279 3243. My email is A Wiederman, W I E D E R M A N, at Ide Bailey. That's E I D E B A I L L Y dot com. Give us a call. Um, Again, if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States, it's uh, www.adcpa.org. Well, guys, uh, stick around uh, when we sign off. But uh, thank you so much for your time and your great expertise. Uh, uh, Zach Schnitzler and Ryan, appreciate it, from Ide Bailey. Hope we gave you some great information today on financial planning. And again, ladies and gentlemen, we're eight months into the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and I'm going to give you my same five-word saying that I've been using since the beginning. Failure is not an option. Go out, manage your practice, manage your team, take world-class care of your patients, and we're all going to get through this. It, you know, you, you watch the news, you see um, uh, Pfizer and was it Pfizer and Moderna, I believe, they're the two companies. They're getting pretty darn close to having a vaccine and it sounds really promising and, you know, life's about hope. So we're all going to get through this. 2021 is going to be a better year for everybody. So with that, folks, thank you again. Please tell your friends about our podcast. And uh, this is Art Wiederman for the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA signing off. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A W I E D E R M A N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.